Thank you for joining us today at the Miniature Wargaming Labs podcast. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And today, the theme of our episode is kit bashing models and the secondhand bits market. But first, Brian, what have you been hobbying on uh, since last we talked? Well, speaking of kit bashing, I, uh, it's not for me. Uh, one of my friends that comes in, he does some uh, painting for me, and he's also one of the, the local uh, painters for hire. Um, he wanted a kit bashed um, a tech marine. That's what it is, a tech marine. Um, so I'm building a firstborn tech marine. He does. He wants it specialized. So you know, a couple extra arms. Uh, he wants it to be Death Watch. So I have to add some Death Watch stuff in there. Um, so I'm digging into my giant bits box and uh, pulling out bits and pieces. And he gave me a helmet that he wants to put on there. And uh, that's that's what I've been working on. Uh, on top of that, I did start painting a new giant spider for Rangers of Shadow Deep slash Frostgrave. So it's been in a box buried in my to-do list for a while. And I thought eh, it'd be fun just to do a giant spider. So the Games Workshop or? Uh, no, no, this is from uh, uh, Bones Reaper. Oh, okay. I don't know if you got like one of the War Games Atlantic, like giant spider boxes. No, no, or... no, no, no. I, I just went with uh, a nice cheap one from Reaper Bones. Really simple, not too. I mean, the thing's uh-huh. like this big. It's like, uh, I just use your words. This, you know, this is, this don't is don't use game. your hands up for this podcasting. This is recording, not, uh, not video. <laughs> yeah, it's about the size of my hand, um, okay. which is a medium sized hand, I would say. So, no. All right. Uh, so I, uh, it's been two weeks since we talked. So I've, I've actually been pretty busy. So, you know, I always have a lot of things started. And so the last two weeks, I just started closing out a lot of things that were like halfway done. But um, I did pack, unpack my uh, samurai, my daimyo and retinue from uh, Warlord Games. So for their Warlords of Erewhon. So I figure the samurai army, I can use that in a couple different games. Oh, yeah. so finished up my third gang for Street Wars NYC. So my Devil's at Cast there. Nice. Um, I don't know if you did you ever watch um, Clint Eastwood movies like his uh, late 70s Old stuff? Westerns or his newer? No, ones? no, af- after um, the Westerns. But re- so the late 70s. So um, Every Which Way But Loose and Every Which Way yes. You Can. So these guys look like the Black Widows. Okay. From yeah. the, the second movie, the uh, motorcycle gang. So they got like the German pickle hob, the pointy, <laughs> and they got like the cutoff vests and everything. Um, so I finished painting them up. Uh, their symbol's like a little anarchy A. I really wish he just made like the Black Widow's logo there yeah. on, for their cuts. But, I mean, uh, you just get some liquid green stuff and fill yeah. that in and then, you know, paint, <laughs> well, do a little decal over it. It's all transfers. Like he gives you transfers for the gang oh, there. So it comes in box. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> I finally finished up my fortress dropship from uh, Ironwood Metals, that BattleTech one. Yeah, that's seventy dollars. Um, so I'm, I did a painting tutorial on it. So it doesn't actually take long to do. It's big. It'd been a lot easier with an airbrush, but I don't airbrush because I don't need to add something else to clean and maintain. But um, I think that's one of those ones that 70 bucks, you look at it and when you take it out of the box, you go, what the heck did I just spend 70 bucks on? I could have gone to Michael's and like got one of those um, four inch diameter spheres there. Yeah, and like stuck some toothpicks (laughs) in it. And like, (laughs) so I mean, it it paints up, it's not for everybody for the the price. And honestly, um, I started pulling out the mats from like um the clan invasion box and some of the other ones the uh, little mats that you play on the folding paper ones um with the hexes on them yeah the the spheres is not a true scale it's supposed to be an abstraction because if it can fit battle mechs in it it'd have to be like if it's done truly to scale it'd be huge it'd, it'd be huge so it's meant for the map it's not really meant for alpha strike which is more of a true scale but you put it on the map, it's like, where are you going to put it? Because if you actually look at like the levels on the maps, 
they're very granulated. So like um, some of the desert terrain has like hills running everywhere. There's mm -hmm. actually very few spots on the map, except for like a couple of like the forest ones that are open terrain where you could actually place it without it like saying, well, this thruster is on the level three and this thruster is on the level uh, one. <laughs> so it's like, I took a picture of it and it's like, well, with this map, it only fits right here. <laughs> that, that's where it's <laughs> going to be. But uh, let's see, got back to, did a test of a, so when I did my, my Necromunda gangs, I just paint up one guy all the way through to test it out. So I got my mm -hmm. first test of my um, corpse grinder from the darker oh, awesome. so those are some really nice models yeah and um they give you when you actually get dark uprising they give you way more than you actually need for sprues mm. so they give you like three sprues and to make a gang you only really need two so you know, i've still got like a third unused sprue not to mention like all the weapon bits on there but um i see a lot of people using those as like uh uh corn yeah yeah the 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 devotees the the cultists well you know they're i think that's part of like the storyline is like they're halfway there like, yeah uh, <laughs> they, grind, <laughs> they grind up meat all they grind up dead bodies all the day so they're like halfway there <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not that far of a stretch like no <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh one thing we tried out so like uh, last episode we had Erin on and she's trying to make like perfectly smooth 3D prints. Mm -hmm. And so she heard our recording about working with the Knights models. So she actually gave me some um, wet, uh, wet sanding paper. So like, it's oh, like okay. this foam sanding paper. And so you wet it and I have everything. I've got paper and a foam kind, everything from 200 grit up to 1200 grit. Mm -hmm. And um, that that polishes the night model resin like glass. Oh, really? Yeah. So you like, you can cut it off, clip off the sprues and you, you wet these, um, the little sponges for like, um, the 3d printing and you like run it across the uh, resin there. And, um, it doesn't fit everywhere because, you know, it's not really meant for like, you know, 35 mil. Tiny, so you're not yeah. doing, so she practiced on like, uh, the Batman Grim Knight model that I mm -hmm. got. Um, and we started off on the sprue, so we cut him off the sprue and we're trying it there. And then, um, we moved to like his cape. So it's really good for Batman's cape because it's on the yeah, outside imagine that. and yeah. you got you need like a long, smooth run. And like, if you don't get all the mold line, it'll show up on the paint job. However, yeah. trying to get that like in between his legs, considering like the cape falls behind his legs there, uh, that's not going to work, but. I mean, yeah, you're really no. not going to see it. But uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is um, for our product spotlight is a billion suns. A lot of chatter about this game. That is there. a very popular game. Um, I know that some people are getting it. Uh, I'm still waiting on our shipment and everything. <laughs> we'll get it I mean, sometime. Well, usually I mean, when could... it starts to see people get it, it's usually three to four weeks after that, if not longer. Which is, we've talked about your distributor in Osprey Games because last time I think you got like um, Oathbreakers like on day, on release yeah. day, like exact, perfectly on time. Two products before that still haven't shown up. And that was like, still haven't shown up. And they're on months. order. I know they're on order. <laughs> but, uh, I checked today. They're on order. Yeah. So I know a billion sons, you'd been telling me about that one. Uh, for a for while a month. now over a year because it's been pushed back a year so i mean mike hutchinson was i'm, I'm a big fan of because of uh gaslands and i mean if he push puts a lot of what he learned from gaslands and gaslands refueled into this game it's going to be a good game and with no support for uh from games workshop for their game that's like that the uh, uh, i always forget the name of it uh i wasn't around during that time gothic I mean, yes battlefleet gothic um there isn't really a game like that that is isn't ip controlled so like star wars armada um 
there's a couple other ones, but I mean, well, this is the one that you can you can play Star Wars versus Star Trek, or you know, Star Trek versus 40k, 40k versus Star. Like it's it's really cool. You can do whatever you want. You can come up with your own uh, miniatures. You can come up with your own uh, factions and everything. It's it's. I think this is a great way to use new miniatures. Well, because when you look at the uh, rule book, what you notice is that it's the ships can be anything. So he just says there's a type of ship like a carrier, a dreadnought, a frigate, a cruiser, all these different sizes. So the base, only the base is an issue. So it's kind of like X-Wing of where mm -hmm. you have different size bases, but the ships that you want to represent can be anything you want. So, I mean, there's other games out there like Starfleet Battles, if you like accounting in your uh, CPA. Um, yes. The other one I was looking at was uh, Engage. Um, that You can get that on War Games Vault. It's a couple bucks. But you could tell there, they don't say the word Starfleet, but all their ships are, you know, Star, uh, Starfleet, Starfleet uh, cruisers. Classes. Yeah, yeah. They have all the ships that are running around. But because uh, A Billion Suns, what's interesting about it is you don't actually build around the ships you build so you don't how to put this so it's not like you build a fleet and then you play a mission you get assigned a mission or what they call a contract so you build your fleet around your contract and it's yeah actually it's an actually a game that i think only really works as um a campaign because what happens is you get like a budget and you've got to complete several of these engagements. So you're already right there. You have a campaign mechanic and you can show up at like your first scenario and take your whole budget and say, dreadnoughts and carriers, just throw everything <laughs> and spend all your budget. <laughs> but you know, when you go to round two, um, you'll have nothing left. Yeah. So it's interesting that it's like um, the bid action in Star Wars Legion, you know, where you like your hand of cards and it's like, well, do I bid my two pip or my four pip? Like it's a resource management. So it's yes. like um, you can summon sh extra ships in there. So it's like, or not during the game, but it's like, all right, he's showing up with this. Well, let me show up with that. And so you're playing like, you know, escalation, mutually assured destruct, like deterrence theory out there. Well, he showed up with that. Is it worth it? Or it's like, I've already got so much on the table. Do I throw a little bit more just to make sure I win? So that's an interesting exactly. mechanic there. And so I've seen, heard some interviews with him um, about whether this could be a tournament game. He didn't design it to be one, but he didn't design yeah. uh, Gaslands to be a tournament. No, that's, game. that's a party game. That's a beer and pretzels party <laughs> game. And if I've ever seen one. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing I like about it is because we talked about like using the 3D printers to like make our ships and play games mm -hmm. out there. But um I know a lot of people have had that idea. The one I've been more interested in is when you go to like a billion sons of Facebook page and just the amount of kit bashing, but not using like established miniature designers, but like going to a hardware store and getting like hollow wall anchors and like, you know, turn them sideways and put little fins on them. And yeah. Like you put them on the table. It's like, you know what, for anyone trying to get into a game. So like, uh, the Osprey Blue Book series has always been like the cost affordable um, approach to wargaming and they've always been miniature agnostic. It's like, you know what, this game, there's not even miniatures. <laughs> it's just when you're, when you're going out, you know, going into your like garage there and like pulling like screws or like pins out and like say, well, this is now a, a dreadnought frigate. So it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's perfect. I mean, really like, if you even look at uh, his other game, Gaslands, it's you go to a store, buy a 99 cent uh, Hot Wheels car, and you slap some rust paint on it. You break out one of the, you break one of its windshields, and boom, you're good to go. Um, he really makes these games around a very cheap budget. Um, but also makes them fun enough and open enough that the serious players and the people that really want to make this their hobby can really delve deep and 
drop some cash and make some really cool stuff. But mm-hmm. for those people that only have like $20 and want to play a new game, well, this game literally cost you $20 if you just want to make some junk ships. You know, I was thinking about that. I, I don't need $20 might be high if you take like yeah. the hardware store example, because you can go down that one aisle, you know, like, um, Lowe's $20 or... I was including the book. <laughs> okay. You get the book at five bucks. Cause there's a couple of those, like if you, you can buy like spare, like bolts and wing nuts and everything. They have like the, just the giant drawers out yeah. there. And you can put like, okay, I need three of these. It's like, in your hand could be like your fleet. You like pour it out on the counter. It's like, I want these, please. <laughs> I have yeah, a very exactly. specific job to do. I mean, you know, yeah. And I've seen people use Legos. I've seen people, of course, 3D print. Um, another popular one is just going to your local bits bin and just grabbing little things that, you know, can look like ships and just glue them together um using 40k guns and throwing on some like repulsor fins and different things like that yeah flipping the chopping the handle off and flipping around different angles Yeah, yeah exactly i mean there's so much you can do to make it just a simple little thing look like a spaceship because there's you know there's no template for a spaceship because it doesn't need to be aerodynamic not going through air so make a ship however you want to look and like my first idea for a ship was you know i was just gonna make spheres i was just gonna get some green stuff make it make some spheres and you know put some patterns on it and boom spray paint it gray and dry brush it boom done spears and like little um toothpicks you go (laughs) like michael's like get like the little Exactly. <laughs> super cheap, super easy, and I'm I'm good to go. I'm ready to I'm ready to fly. Uh, well, whenever you get that book in, I'll be in to pick it up. So yeah, I normally yep. with the with the blue book series, I normally get like the electronic copy for traveling. Um, but I prefer having the books um, just to pull them out. But you know that rolls us into the main topic that. Um, with our viewer engagement outreach, we actually had a couple of people, I think like uh, Todd Huber uh, from the store being one of the big ones talking about kit bashing your models. And I know after a while of owning these things, you want yours to look different from anyone else's. And so that's where kit bashing comes into play. Or sometimes um, Games Workshop is really big on this and they still do it in Necromunda of where they'll make rules for things that they don't make models for. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there was a time they stopped doing that because of a lawsuit of a guy making like, they had rules for like a Tyranid, different types of like, of the larger Tyranids they didn't have models for. So another company went in and said, well, we'll make models for these Tyranids and Games Workshop was like, no, cease and desist. You can't make models for our game, even though we don't make, the judge said, no, they can, if you're not making it, they can, can do whatever make, you want. Yeah, they can fill the gap. Now people just, you know, would you like 28 millimeter oversized space heroes or space knights? So, I mean, yeah, you can just exactly. work around that. There, there's always the third party models out there. Because I I remember when I started, my brother got me into this in like uh, 2001, 2002, when most of Games Workshop stuff was metal. Kit bashing was actually um, a little more difficult. Uh, Bashing with metal is very hard. But you know what's nice about it is like every Games Workshop store had like this catalog book, and I've got one of them. I think the last time they did one was like 2005, and you'd open up, and like all the metal models would have like arm bits and the body, so you could actually just order like Marnius Calgor's right arm. So you could tell like the game guy, and he's like. I want Marnius Calgar's right arm and I want um, some Terminator lightning claws, but not the Terminator. And Games Workshop would actually send it to you, like send it to the store and you go pick it up. But, you know, that's when you had to blend like metal on metal. And yeah, there, there are plenty of guys who had like, um, was it Space Assault Marines with like Terminator lightning claws like, glued on both sides. And, <laughs> <laughs> There, oh, I've seen. I've gotten a couple of those old models where it's just like I don't know what you're doing here, but I like it because it looks cool. I think um, 
know, I, you just want something different since this is, you've got it on the table. So I think when I started doing it myself was like um, Black Templars. Mm-hmm. When uh, they came out with like the Black Templar bits um, upgrade box, um, which was really nice. I started looking around and that's where I discovered like Anvil Industry and uh, Cromlech. And I like, there's this whole universe of companies that would just make like shoulder pads. And yeah. Different weapons to like, maybe you don't want to paint 50 Maltese crosses, which is actually a lot harder than it sounds. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what is your experience with kit bashing? Uh, I actually have a lot of experience with kit bashing saying as I'm an orc player. One of the few approved kit bashing. <laughs> that is yeah exactly it is the it is the one time gw looks at kit bashing and says yeah you know do whatever you want um i built a uh tank for the orcs from let's see i think it was six different kits that i used there was an old lehman russ um a newer lehman russ a orc truck um an old orc truck and there was a couple there was a couple other vehicle bits in there um but i mean it looks really cool i magnetized everything it came like it looks like an orc vehicle it looks more like an orc vehicle than any of the vehicles that games workshop has released um i'm also one of the local uh bits dealers so the only one I know about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's another store that has a bits box. Um, okay. But I am definitely one of the more organized ones in this state. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people come to me with you know questions about how to make stuff from bits, how to use bits on miniatures that you know they don't belong to. Um, because, I mean, one thing Games Workshop does well is giving you a lot of extra stuff to make your stuff look cool. Um, but some they don't have miniatures or they don't have stuff for everything. So if you wanted a, a Assault Intercessor for a faction that isn't supported, um, then you need to kitbash it um, so that it is looks like what you want. Or, and then orcs you know you want to kitbash everything or if you want to chaosify something you need bits if you want to take a titan a regular titan or a regular knight and make it into a chaos knight you need tons of bits to make it more chaos you need chaos symbols you need uh horns coming out of it and that's all kitbashing um because yes they you can just paint it like a chaos legion but you want really you want it to look more like your legion you want it to look like it's chaos and like it's been infected by the chaos and the warp. So um, and one of the other games, the, the game that I started with infinity um, had a lot of kit bashing and that's kit bashing with metal. Now they didn't, they don't have a miniature for every single loadout that you can take. Okay. I didn't realize so, that. And they don't have bits for everything either. So that's that's why they have a blanket rule that says you can proxy any Corvus Belly miniature as any other Corvus Belly miniature. Um, because there is no, there, there's, let's say you have an Aguasil, which is the base troop for the Nomads. Um, you, you have plenty of ones with just a combi rifle, but there might not be like a hacker or a heavy machine gun loadout that is either a available or even made. So you had to figure something out if you wanted it to be an actual miniature. So you either had to change it around, swatch, uh, swap out the arms with something else. And they don't like, I don't have infinity bits. Like infinity bits are hard to come by because they, a box comes with enough to build what's in the box. Nothing extra, maybe an extra head here and there. Sometimes an arm swap, very rarely. But, you know, the bits business between Corvus Belly and Games Workshop is huge. Corvus Belly has uh, one bit for every thousand bits that you get from Games Workshop. Well, I think that just comes from the fact that it's metal. 
Yes. So, but one one thing I've noticed that's changed with Games Workshop is that the old tactical Marines, where it was just a chest, leg, legs, arms, head, shoulder pads, backpack, and basically slight slight little twists in the alignment of any of those things created dramatically different poses. But now they've gone to where their Primaris, they've like made them very dynamic. And the way they make them on the sprue now is like, you know, the left arm will connect to the torso and go to the right leg. And then you glue on the right arm and the left leg. So it creates like this very action dynamic look, but it actually makes it hard to like, okay, where am I going to cut this thing to like put on this other arm? And it's now to the point where like green stuff is mandatory. Yes. Um, well, you know, it's uh, so the big, when, when you talk about kit bashing, there's like buying third party bits, to mm-hmm. like give your guys a different look. So that's, that's what I wanted. I went around and bought like all the different Maltese cross style shoulder pads to fit on my uh, black Templars. Yeah. Um, but then there's also, cause you're trying to create something that doesn't exist. There's also those companies will sell, well, Hey, do you need a jungle commissar? And you, Games Workshop won't give one. Here's a whole new model off to the side. Um, so it comes down to like, how much do you want to spend to make this? Because, you know, kit bashing, at least in the early days and the before times, was a very expensive proposition. If you wanted mm-hmm. to like, I have something in mind. Now, if you had leftover bits and like, all right, what am I going to cobble together so I can get value out of these bits that are just lying in this box? That could be something um, different. So there's two ways you can go, the cheap way or the expensive way. And one's not better than the other because at the end of the day, it's like whatever product you put on the table. Exactly. Um, and and kit bashing is its own thing. Like I, I would count that as a, another hobby in this hobby. Um, when we've, we've mentioned this before that, you know, when you get into gaming, when you get into miniature war gaming, it's not just miniature war gaming. That's the blanket term for a myriad of different hobbies, buying, collecting, building, painting, playing, kit bashing. Those are all different hobbies. And you have people that never kit bash you have people that never paint you have people that never build they just have somebody else do it um and of course if you're in i have people i know people that don't even play so they're all different aspects of this overarching hobby so a lot of people don't want to get into kit bashing because it is another addition to this hobby now it doesn't have to be difficult. You don't have to chop off arms. A kit bash can be as simple as an arm swap. You find an arm in your local shop that, hey, this will look perfect on my um, orc boy. I just need to slap it on there with some super glue and maybe, you know, clean it up a little bit and boom, done. That's a kit bash. Putting a new backpack on a space marine that looks, has a couple extra spiky bits. That's a kit bash. Well, I've noticed that with uh, Kill Team and Necromunda, they've Games Workshop itself through like White Dwarf, it's been really pushing uh, kit bashing as a way to make unique kill teams. Um, I guess to increase engagement with like hobbying or like a familiarity with these bits, like make your own squad, you know, as a marketing approach to get you more wedded to the game if you have something unique out there. But um, so let me give two examples of kit bashing done for Necromunda. So you remember the uh, when ninth edition came out, they had the uh, objectives, the battlefield mm-hmm. objectives that came out and they had. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah, you had them on the table and I saw um, I made a video on this, but I wanted an Orlock heavy lugger. And so uh, there's the servitor from the uh, Escalade. Blackstone Fortress Escalation. Um, he fits like the artwork for an Orlock Heavy Lugger. However, he has real legs. But an Orlock Heavy Lugger needs treads. Mm-hmm. But when you look at that Battlefield ejection, Objective set, they had an Adeptus Mechanicus chair riding on some track treads there. 
um, like a little tank. And that was at, when that came out, that was the smallest set out there. So I, I bought that objective set, 40 bucks. I had the servitor. Let's say you got him out of um, uh, combat arena. That's another 40, mm -hmm. just so I could hack his legs off, kick the chair off the treads and marry the body to the treads. Um, and then I even, but I needed Orlock weaponry. So I had to cut off his right arm, get like the Orlock harpoon from like the set, which fortunately on Necromunda, they give you way more weapons. So I magnetized that onto his arm. So it's like, okay. So let's say I only wanted to build this guy. It was 80 bucks to build this guy plus green stuff. And to tie like the torso into the uh, tracks, I took like one of those um, orc armor, like shoulder plates with like the sticky points, like the spikes yeah. coming out of it. And I just stuck that in this um, gut right there to hide where it was seen together. And then like <laughs> took some tactical Marine like screens from their auspexes and like put it around the other spots and then like prime it. Say, like, okay, now you can't see where they're joined together. But probably the cheapest one I did for Necromunda is I wanted um, for House Cotor, they have Master Blaster. So they mm -hmm. have like this little midget ride on this uh, giant guy's back and the midget has like, a, I'm sorry, little person has like um, a little um, auto gun or you can have a heavy flamer. Like Artel makes a miniature that reflects this because uh, Games Workshop hasn't just, Forge World, let's say Forge World hasn't made one. They normally make Yes, that. yeah, that would be a Forge World model. So I, I went to your bit box there at the store and I got two orc torsos, an orc set of legs, um, one of your ogre arms with axe, and um, what else? I think uh, an orc head. And so I just took the torsos, turned them center, just pounded green stuff around, and I made like a Tex Avery type master. So he's got little short legs, huge torso, big long arms. <laughs> and then I had, I got one of the grots that you had. Yeah, the one that's in the backpack with the ammo. Yeah, so he's got like, um, he's holding the, um, yeah, to the uh, squig herder. He's got like five grots that come in the box. Yeah. And there's a grot who has his hands um, turned palm down, like he's gripping something. So then you take one of the Gene Stiller cult um, auto guns, paper clip, put that into the guy's back, build a little platform, him on there. That was that was literally, I think the only thing I had to buy is I didn't have a grot. I didn't, you didn't have the right grot. So I had to buy the box with the right grot in it. But literally- That's because I was using all my grots. Yeah. For, the, got a, for the great red gobbo army I'm building. I've got four grots to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> no i so, have them you've sold them to me did i oh okay i yeah. claimed i couldn't find them <laughs> <laughs> no they are in my possession <laughs> but but that was one where so both of those are specialized characters one you could think of as 80 bucks to build to get all mm -hmm. the components if i wasn't going to use everything else in the box together if i just wanted that one guy one was 80 bucks the other one i think the only thing i had to buy off the shelf was that one box um, with the five grots and the uh, orc, and I sold that back to you. So that was what, an eight buck model yeah. to get a specialized character once all the transactions back and forth were done. Yes. So I mean, that, that, and they both look good. Um, they both, oh, yeah. they represent, both look great. So it's like kid bashing can either be an expensive hobby or a cheap hobby, depending on what you want to do. Exactly. When I was, I was looking into uh, a kit bash for my orcs. Um, they have this unit that uh, flies, the Storm Boys, and I didn't really like the rocket bat backpacks. I, I do, but I wanted something a little different. And the Mechanicus came out with the the guy the prax the praxity. Um, flyers i can't remember their exact names um but they have like the the flying machine wings oh on okay them. yeah those wings yeah, are super it's, hot you, yeah and so i wanted wants to those. take that take those wings and throw them onto orcs and have them like flying around 
Now, a box of orcs. I had I had plenty of orcs to sacrifice to this, so I didn't have to do anything there. But in order to get the wings, I'd have to buy the box, which is $60. Or I could go online and buy the wings for $40. So yeah. <laughs> either way, I was spending a lot of money. And that $60 before was before my 30% off, which usually comes out a little over 40. So either I was spending a little over 40 for the whole box or $40 for the just the bits. That's was expensive and at the time priced me out. Um, but there's a lot of other alternatives that I found and um, I still haven't made it because I don't have all the pieces that I need. But like you said, kit bashing can be very simple and cheap all the way to, you know, buying three different boxes just to make one model. Well, I think, so one thing we should talk about is how to go about and get some of these bits. Because we've talked about like Kromlik, which comes from Poland, yep. Anvil Industries. Um, and when I did my um, Shadow War Armageddon Imperial Yard Kill Team, I did that at Anvil Industries because they had guys with berets and like ammo packs that, you know, you cut off the magazine from the last gun and they have like supercharged last gun magazines you can shove in there. So, okay, let's do that. But so the, con- the first reflex is to go to eBay. But for a lot of those guys, I mean, that's a business and eBay takes a big chunk out of your profit. So they, they always ramp up the price. So like those wings was almost what the guy paid for the box. Exactly. They have these huge markups, but I know you basically have a couple containers there and like everyone knows like, Hey, let me go to Etten. And since you work at Etten, you have this box of bits that it's two transactions. Here's the new shrink wrap box. And here's the bits for Brian to get that because a lot of times you know what you want. It's just finding the right bit at a price that you want to pay. Not what someone's willing to charge you. And everybody here knows about my bits box, but um, for those that are listening from outside of Albuquerque, um, always go check your local game store um, and ask them if they have a box of bits. Um, sometimes they're, you know, out in the open. Sometimes you just have to ask for them. Um, and also, like, if you have a local group that is on, like, Facebook or uh, other uh, sites, always ask around. Everybody buys boxes everybody has bits so chances are if you ask for a certain bit somebody might have it i think besides you a store that the only store i've ever seen when i travel around that exceeds what you have is brothers grim out on long island um out on 25 uh that guy he just has piles of stuff so just as you have the reputation of like bring it to Brian, you've got like this uh, black marketeer, like, okay, well, Brian will be the middleman for any bits transactions because I know he can move them eventually or you'll just buy them yourself and you'll know eventually yep. they move. He has like something the size of like ends back room just stacked with bits, role-playing books, Tau, Space Marines, War Machine, and stuff that like, he hasn't even gotten through. And it's just a ton there. It's actually at the point where if you ask him if he's got something, he doesn't know. He has a guy whose sole job there is to process like all the used <laughs> stuff that people bring in. But, you know, he, he does mark it up. So it's one of those things. It's not, he lets eBay drive the price, not yeah. let the local market because he doesn't know what to charge. Um, he just goes on eBay and looks them up and like, okay. But one thing that I, I wish every store would do is what Etten does pre-COVID was the flea market. And the flea market th- was, is amazing. That was, so why don't you explain what, what that was? And I, so every store out times, there should do this. <laughs> yes. It, it's honestly from a person that runs the store. Um, 
it is a huge boost in our overall economy um, from people coming in and buying stuff from, uh, to people getting money to buy stuff. So what happens is it was four times a year, once every quarter, we would set up tables and people can come in. It's first come first serve for table space. Uh, people bring in their stuff that they want to get rid of. Um, we didn't have a lot of restrictions on what they couldn't sell. Of course, no contraband, no, you know, weapons and stuff like that. Um, and we, even though, even though that's allowed, but let me put it this way. You had to put the restriction on weapons because New Mexico is a very permissive gun state. So it's like, I can can do third party transfers here. People could have sold guns there completely legally. So you're like, but but no guns. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, that's important. Um, You know, put that out there. No guns, no legal material. (laughs) There, there wasn't always gaming stuff there, but it was primarily gaming stuff. Yes. Um, I've seen people sell stereos. I've seen people, I've seen somebody sell TV. Um, But I mean, it's not also just gaming stuff. It's nerd stuff. There was stuff people brought in like statuettes of like comic book characters, comic books, uh, video games. Um, Everything was up for, you know, if you brought it, you could sell it as long as it was in the parameters and what happened is once you set up people would go around and say like haggle with you to on a price either for your accepted for the price that you set for it or you know you'd negotiate um and they would take the item up to the cash register and they would pay for it there they would all the money would go to the store and the money made from to the person would go onto their account as store credit so the store isn't making the money directly, but all that money stays within the store. But people get to move their old product, their old games that they've they're done with. They don't they want to move on from it and make it into new games. Now you don't have to sell everything there, but that was a great time for people to come in and build up their store credit and buy that game that they couldn't afford for a while or that they, you know, that's coming out soon or start a new army, sell an old army. Um, It was a great way to buy old stuff that you were looking for. I had the biggest table there. And of course, everybody was always crowded around it because I had old GW stuff. I had infinity stuff. I had bits boxes. I had patches I mean, I had just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but of course, I would go over to other people's tables as well because I was always looking for new stuff. Uh, I bought plenty of boxes and miniatures and bits and everything. So, But if you're a store owner and you're listening to this, definitely look into doing something like that because it's, it's a huge boon to your business. Um, it also creates more interaction with your clientele and the store. And it really builds that relationship up. Um, but that's also look for those flea market type things. If your store, I, I know there's other stores out there that do that. Definitely look for that because that's a great place to find older stuff, bits, uh, used models, used armies, uh, stuff that you can't get in a regular game store because there's some companies that don't sell wholesale um so definitely watch out for those and if you're a store owner that doesn't do that look into doing that because then you get you get to sell product that isn't yours at all and people get to buy product with store credit and it's you know it's just all around just makes a better community well you know it's a the flea market serves as like a market making mechanism because it was very quickly adopted and loved by everybody because I know the end store owner, Sean, he does not want to buy old used armies because he doesn't have the space to keep them. Like brothers grim. It's it's a big, yeah. That guy dedicates a whole section of his store to like the secondhand market. All right. But he's got a deep enough wallet that he knows someday this will move. Maybe not today, maybe not, maybe four years from now. Sean needs a lot more churn. So what the flea market allows is that everyone knows to go there on that day. And um, it's, it's just one of the things that 
people save up their money and go there. So I know I would go the last 15 minutes of the flea market. I never went there when it was open because that's when the ask price is high. I like to go there the last 15 minutes and see what's left and then pull out like my hundred dollars. And so <laughs> like, Oh, that was I... what I did with the best haggling. I remember I got a great box of the guy was just like, it's a hundred dollars for the box. I, I talked him down from 150 and in it was just, I'm still selling stuff out of that box. I've made like $500 off that box. It was old games workshop stuff that lays barely out of the it was out of the box into a bag and into the box so amazing amazing stuff and you never know what you're gonna find so yeah but it's one of those nice things that by turning the store over it made it like a real magnet yes four times a year is a real magnet for people to gather and you know you could actually i remember you could do straight swaps so it's like i'll trade you this termagant for that model let's swap okay or if you brought like board games and the store didn't do anything about that but if cash ever changed hands it out it allowed me a place to use my credit card so i could go Mm -hmm. to a private individual and they would say i'll give you this i didn't have to give them cash nope Um, i could just swipe my card at the you guys were the middleman you didn't take any piece of it but you knew that that guy was going to bring a hundred dollars to spend in the store and, you know, from your prof, your margins at, you know, a piece at $100 is going to you. But it's like people, since it's the only place to like liquidate secondhand stuff easily, um, you can get great prices because once people take something that you're going to liquidate, they don't like taking it back home. So it's like, before I leave here, this will be gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're not like me. who's just like, yeah, I'll sell a bunch of stuff at the end of the day. I'll just buy everybody else's stuff well, just to re-up. <laughs> well, you did start slowly taking over some of the shelves in the back there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I have I have tables dedicated to my stuff at the store right now. <laughs> well, so COVID helped out in that since those were gaming tables. No one can play exactly, games there. So exactly. I, I got more room. <laughs> and it's out of my house. So, you know, the girlfriend doesn't have to worry about it. And it's just been slowly getting a little bit more and more and more each day. Well, so we've talked about eBay and we've talked about the local swap market. You have a lot more experience on Facebook, the Facebook selling and trading groups. Yes. How do you find that? I've never done um, that. I always rely on you. You're, you're my picker. There's a lot of I, so Brian, trade groups. Um, there's a lot. So, I mean, if you look up 40K, there's 25 of them at least. Um, there's one specifically for Kill Team. There's one specifically for AOS. There's one specifically for uh, stuff that's older than 2000. Um, there's uh, very specific. You have to like, you have to be a part of like 40 different groups if you're a a seller that wants to do a, a lot of volume, or if you're a buyer looking for a lot of ra- like a good deal. Um, I see really good deals all the time. I see armies go up um, at least five times a day for sale at a very reasonable price. Uh, The one thing that you don't see a lot on Facebook buy sell trade groups is bits. Um, Usually when you find bits for sale, it's somebody getting rid of their bits collection. So you're buying $100 worth of bits that you have no idea what's in it. So unless it's like a highly sought after bit, you're not going to be finding it unless you ask for it. Now that is the great thing about these. Um, it's not like it's an interactive format. It's not like eBay where you go on, you search for what you're buying. If it's not there, well, you can't get it. This is somewhere where you'd be like, hey, I'm looking for a certain piece. Does anybody have this for sale? And the person that wasn't thinking about selling it might have it and be like, well, I could go without it and then sell it. So you can actually create sales for yourself there while you don't have to wait for things to go on sale. This is why I love Facebook is because a Facebook doesn't take anything out of it. Um, You use PayPal, which takes a very minimal 5% out. Uh, I think it might be less than 5%. Um, And you get to actually like, 
see the person you know it's not like you still got the facebook and a minute uh you know you get that screen bef- uh, between you um but you tend to see their name and there's also review groups where you put your name up and people give you plus one or minus one if you have too many minus ones people won't work with you and if you have a lot of plus ones then people want to work with you more and you know your prices can increase and uh your rating goes up so there's a lot of different tools to use when you're looking for something. And those buy, sell, trade groups, I think, are one of the best ones out there because it is interactive rather than reactive. You're not finding something and buying it. You can find something and buy it. You can sell at the same time. You can ask for something. Um, you can get. You could also ask. One of the other things that I'm part of is a couple of valuation groups. Where it's like, hey, I have a this and how much is it worth do you think and that's a great way to get sales or find stuff too because some people are just like hey i have all these bits what are they worth and you're like hey i want to buy those so you figure out something and boom you have a whole bunch of bits i think um where i got into buying and selling bits and models is that you start off well let me buy this and i have a bunch of leftover bits then it's like you know what i just want I know I'll buy this box and just take one guy and I'll sell the rest of these off. Then it just becomes a self-feeding cycle there. It, it yep. never ends. But um, I, so I think we've covered the uh, third party and the secondhand market there. Um, I'm sh- there's, we really haven't ca- covered the third party. There's plenty of bits makers, shapeways. Cronlick and Anvil Industry are my favorite. There's plenty out there. Maybe we'll save Those that are- for another time. Yeah, that's more product review. Um, like real kit bashing, if you want to get it like a lot of people really think that kit bashing is, you know, you take a kit, take another kit, and you smash them together to make something. Um, yeah. I think uh, the third party is definitely something we should talk about in the future, though. Okay. Well, let's talk about what we're looking forward to. So, Brian, you actually brought this one to my attention from the undefeatable joseph mccullough yeah and right now this is only an amazon listing for pre-order yeah it's only been announced we've only ever seen the it was a leak from amazon uh it's joseph mccullough's next book um he just does not stop as soon as he's throws something at the publisher he's writing the next thing um i'm pretty sure he has He's, he has, there's two, two of them. There has to be. <laughs> well, we talked about um, multiplicity. He's got like a little <laughs> so a group in the basement. Um, but this next one, you know, I, I've, I have been very excited for everything that he's put out. Um, I'm very excited for Stargrave. Uh, I love Frostgrave. I like uh, Oath. Uh, Oathmark, I think that's a great game. Uh, I really like Shadow uh, Shadow Deep. Um, this one isn't catching my attention. So this is Silver Bayonet. Yes, yes. The, the title is Silver Bayonet, and from what it looks like, um, we, we don't know a lot of details right now. It's not done. Um, but it's a Napoleonic which first of all, I don't really like Napoleonics um, and it's Gothic horror, which I don't like Gothic horror. So he's taking two things that I'm not a big fan of and putting them together. Now that's exciting for a lot of people. And I, I know it's going to be a good game. I hope it's a good game, uh, but I, I think it's something that I might not get because it's just, I don't have miniatures for it. I kind of don't want to make miniatures for it. I kind of don't want to play it. Um, there's another game called Dracula's America, which, you know, it's gothic horror meets Wild West. Now, I like Wild West, but I don't like gothic horror. I just, I just, I just can't get into it. It is, it's not my genre of horror. Um, and I just, I, I, I tried. I looked at it. I, I, I bought the book. I have the book. I just, I, I'm not a fan, um, but that is coming out. It is by one of my favorite game makers and I, I definitely want people to know about it. I will definitely be reviewing it. I will definitely be looking at it, but I don't think I'll be playing it. So 
Well, you know, when I was looking at it, so because the first time you brought it up to me is like, is this Sharp's practice or um, black powder? So there's two ways to go, like Frostgrave or Oathmark. Is this like the 10 man skirmish game or the field army? So when you said, so we're telling me about this, it's like, is this going to be like Warlord Games, Black Powder, second edition of where I have my ranks of Napoleonic figures and a dragon? I was like, you know what? I'm I'm intrigued by the notion. <laughs> um, yeah. But then it's like, okay, it's a skirmish game. But, you know, what we've always talked about is with miniature agnostic is being able to carry miniatures from multiple games. And so it's like my Romans from SPQR, you know, I could use them in Oathmark. They're guys yeah. with shields and swords and helmets. It's like, okay, yeah, welcome. Sure, they're not very dark agey, but they're guys with shields, swords, and helmets, and they go around exactly. stab things. Okay. Um, Napoleonic. Well, okay, I can get Black Powder 2nd Edition, build a Napoleonic army, and throw some dragons in there. That'd be interesting. But what this feels like is something I've never done is more like um, Dracula's America. Like, okay, I need gunslingers and a vampire who looks like he's a gunslinger in a noticeable way. Maybe some werewolves thrown in yeah. there. So that, that's what this feels like. I mean, is this where am I going to get miniatures for this? And I, it's like, because now, I, I know really... where I could get miniatures from this and I have miniatures for this is the thing. If you ever, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a game manufacturer called Flying Frog, and one of their main products is called uh, Brimstone, and it's a series of board games that focus on miniatures, and it's all this weird west. So you have cowboys with vampires and werewolves and zombies and aliens and a whole bunch of other things, and I have a couple of the games. So, I mean, it's, it's perfect for that, but also... I think it's better as I think that's better as a board game. I'm not well it's like everything's self-contained. I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> is this supposed to be like Mary Shelley's like Frankenstein out there? Like I'm gonna have a monster running around. You know, it, it's almost like some of those um steampunk of where it's historical, but they throw some extra bits on there. So it's like yeah. Steampunk miniatures are very distinctive. Where else am I going to use that? Am I going to have like a werewolf with a top hat and a waistcoat? And like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, that's, well, actually, that, that, that even comes after. So Napoleonic's is pre-top hat. So it's like yes. just such a weird time period to it set is, it in. It is. Um, and that's, that's why I'm like, I'm not very like interested in it. A, it's it's two, two subjects that I'm not fond of um i'm interested in how it plays um i don't want to dedicate miniatures to it um but i am interested in how many miniatures it takes i mean if it only takes 10 to play then you know i might but if it is a full army thing then you know i don't know i heard it's supposed to be a small one this might be one where like if it came out and someone like um Reaper has that chronoscope line. Yes. They do some of the, the pulp type stuff. And I only needed to buy like five guys from Reaper. So the book and like five, that might be a little bit more doable, but it'd still be looking like I'm only carrying these guys to play this one game. I'm not going to exactly. use them anywhere else. Because, you know, even if you took it over to the US, it's like, it's just the fashion difference between like Europeans in that timeline and like Dracula's America. So it's like, if it's it like the same time period, be, yeah. well, I was, I, I thought it was going to be something like Dracula's America, but in Europe, because in Dracula's America, the idea is the vampires come over from Europe to the U S exactly. Yeah. I was wondering like, if it's just like, why didn't you just set it at the same time? And just, yeah. <laughs> that way he's like, Oh, I can take my miniatures and just roll them back over that way. <laughs> but, uh, well, so the thing doing my horizon scan, I they finally announced that Cyberpunk Red is going to do a Kickstarter for their skirmish war game. And so that is something I'm interested in because I have 
Reality's Edge, um, Hydrophilia. Got plenty of skirmish games. Got Star plenty Graves of coming out. Star Graves coming out. So I've got plenty of miniatures, cyberpunk miniatures in the 32 millimeter scale because at one point I owned every miniature that Monster Fight Club put out for Cyberpunk Red for use in Reality's Edge because honestly yes. it looked like the guy went through the Reality's Edge art book and just made models based on the art. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I I didn't play 28 millimeter at this uh, at the time, but the guy was so dead on. And it's like okay, well, they're I'll just really good mini. miniatures. Like they are really good. They they can be a pain to clean on some of them. Oh, I can uh, imagine. Well, you know the one part that uh, ticked me off is this is one where I found their miniatures, went to the Monster Fight Club, and they're near like Charlottesville, Virginia, and um, but I wasn't traveling through anytime soon. But I was like, okay, I'll buy one of everything they have, and I bought it. And as soon as like the pack, they were doing like free shipping and handling. So I brought, bought one of everything. It showed up at the house, like, yay. Then they dropped like one new set. It's like, you, <laughs> I had everything until then. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at, so what was it around Christmas time, 2020, they announced that they were going to build not just a role-playing game on Cyberpunk Red, but they were going to build a skirmish war game based around the miniatures it's like well that is great because i have batman artel cyberpunk red i've got everything slap a book on now they're saying now they're saying we're going to do a kickstarter there's going to be even more miniatures well they welcome to the family whatever they're coming about (laughs) i'm excited about that the more the merrier yeah the the interesting i think i saw in here is um they're introducing paramedics in there so I, I have to admit, I was following this, but, you know, I listen to On Tabletop when they do like their Friday weekly reviews. And it's funny to see like um, UK citizens, so United Kingdom citizens talk about these paramedic guys. Because so the people who designed the game, American. So it's funny mm-hmm. watching UK nationals talk about this because they said, all right, so if your guys get hurt, you don't have a national health service like the NHS. In this dark dystopian future, you pay a company. And if you get hurt, that company helps you get better. And like, you mean like what I do now? <laughs> I, I actually don't, I don't see any issue with this. I mean, that's what I do. What do you I mean dark company. dystopian? I mean, you mean, you mean, right, you, you mean like right now? <laughs> this is America. Yeah. Every, every month I pay a company. And when I get hurt, a guy in a truck with like a little medic symbol shows up and he carries me away, just like this game. I I have and no I pay cons- copay. Yeah. <laughs> and I pay more. So that was that was actually something I was I was joke I was thinking to myself, you know, that that'd be funny to like put into the game. Cause like Reality's Edge has a campaign role of where like your guy can get arrested and you can bail him out. Mm-hmm. The longer you leave him in jail, the cheaper the bail, but the madder he gets at you. So you can bail him out like right away. He'll be really happy, but it'll cost you a lot of creds. But if you can leave him in there like for six weeks, it'll be like a couple bucks, but he'll be really pissed at you. Yeah, he doesn't want to come back. So it's like, like, you know, that that's something healthcare rules in your cyberpunk miniature games is like, your gang can select either a PPO or an HMO. You can set your uh, deductible copay. You, we could have like whole insurance charts, like kind of like when I go to work and I have to like select my health plan during open season. Now, anyone outside the U.S. will have no idea what we're talking about. Yep. <laughs> Nothing says cyberpunk like overreaching company control. So. so that you know what if uh, if they don't if Monster Fight Club listens to this remember the healthcare campaign management rules can be very vital to the maintenance of your game <laughs> you you can sit there like a Bags real company don't help you unless you pay <laughs> <laughs> well just think of all the rules selecting your plan be like a real I don't know if Sean has to do that but you know every year he's like what what healthcare plan am I going to cover this 
Brian doesn't need dental care. <laughs> His teeth are fine. I, he, for your dental plan, does Sean drop off like some toothpaste and some toothbrush at your house? I'm like, here you go. <laughs> you, you act like we have a, a plan at all. <laughs> you act like this is a big company. No, we don't have health plans. <laughs> well, that's why I said that. That's your benefit. That's his plan. Every <laughs> month he drops off toothpaste to you. <laughs> he just drops off toothpaste and floss and says, brush up. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to cover the toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not on your plan here. Here's a couple band-aids, though. <laughs> but but, but regardless, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. I don't know how much it's going to cost. But, you know, what I'm, what I'm hoping is that when you do the Kickstarter, sometimes they let you buy existing products at discount yes. that the company sells so I can go catch up on those couple drops that I missed, get the television crew. Because Reality's Edge has a rule for like a television crew. Which is after, awesome. So it was, it was after I bought my big lot there the first time that they released the television crew. It's like, dag nabbit. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it. Yeah. But I, I was hoping to be talking about Pariah Nexus, but due to polar vortexes and COVID and uh, rampant mismanagement, the our copy of Pariah Nexus did not show up. Yes, I don't think anyone in New Mexico got copies of Pariah Nexus. No, no, I don't think anybody in New Mexico got copies of Pariah Nexus. I have not seen anyone talk about it at all. So, so. I saw it was sold out on the website when I went to Games Workshop's website. So hopefully next time we talk, we can... I ordered 10 copies. It'll be here in the future <laughs> well i think we'll call that a day for uh the podcast here anything else you want yep. to cover brian i think that's it till next time okay well thank you for joining us at miniature wargaming labs and we'll see you next time bye